your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome inside the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. You can follow Cammy at Cammy and G. Just a reminder that this episode of the Locked On Longhorns podcast, right here in the Locked On Podcast Network, is brought to you by rockauto.com. Make sure you go to rockauto.com. Get all the low prices on all your auto part needs that you may need. Maybe like our boss over at Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson, who needs a new tailgate. <laughs> he went on to rockauto.com and got what he needed. Cami, Monday, uh, we got a full show coming up. Uh, you're going to hear my conversation with Locked On Big Ten host, Ben Stevens. We kind of got into a little bit of Tariq Black, talked about the Pac-12 dispute that's going on. That's a whole crazy situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know some of the Texas players have been very vocal on Twitter, I guess, um, approving or understanding uh, where they're coming from. But, yeah, that's a whole new ball game we'll have to get into one day. Yeah, uh, just a quick thing that, that kind of I thought was interesting. The head coach at Washington State is actually dismissing players who were vocal about that We Are United campaign that they have going on. Yeah, that's mm. it's it's sounds, a bad look. It's bad look. Yeah, sounds a bit risky. Uh, so this past year, there were several former Longhorns playing in a league called the XFL. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're talking about the XFL today. Uh, if you hadn't heard the news, they have a new part owner of the XFL. They had their uh, auction, the bankruptcy auction this morning. Uh, a name you might be familiar with. Have you ever heard of Dwayne Johnson? Yes, The Rock. Yeah. So well, I guess you can say, I mean, I, I just, I'm not very familiar with what he used to do, but I, I'm just going to call him a fighter, something for that sense. But then turned actor. So what, what would you actually call him? Like, what is his job title or role or whatever? What's his job title? He's the most... Like, He's the most electrifying man in all of sports and entertainment. <laughs> I'm just going to call him a fighter turned actor. It's sports entertainment, Gaming. That's what it is. He's True. a sports entertainer. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, obviously, I grew up watching the WWF, which became WWE, and I was I was a huge fan of The Rock. I mean, not quite. I mean, my favorite was Stone Cold Steve Austin because he was from Texas. Oh, Hailed yeah. from Victoria, Texas. I think you know a little bit about that. Uh-huh. He's from actually right outside of Victoria in an even smaller town called Edna. So. Yes, yeah. yes, he is from Edna. Nobody knows, but, you know, anytime that he was wrestling, he would say he's from Victoria, Texas, which I always thought was funny. Like when I first met you and you told me that you were living in Victoria, I was like, hey, that's that's for Stone Cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, probably the biggest thing that will ever come out of that small town. Uh, probably, probably. It's not It's not too well known outside of that. Um. So yeah, so I thought that was pretty exciting stuff. You know, you got you got the Rock and the XFL, and hopefully XFL is back this year. Uh, yeah, I think that a- that provides a lot of optimism too in terms of the XFL in general. But um, obviously, he is very big in that sports entertainment industry, like you mentioned. I think they were saying it was for around like fifteen million or something. So I don't think he's going to invest in something like that unless he had high hopes for it. And so I think he can bring in some fans that aren't football fans too. So I think it was a great deal for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he made his mark, made his name in wrestling. Uh, and now he's kind of the big entertainment star, the big he's kind of the new action. The I guess you could call the A-lister. Uh, he is the action star in Hollywood. 
pretty funny guy though if you've ever got to see some of his his more comical movies are pretty funny uh, hmm. let, let's let's keep it longhorn specific uh, I mean where do we start there's so much going on <laughs> right there's a, yeah when, when do we start where do we go from here uh, let's talk a little bit about the big 12 meeting uh, the school presidents are going to meet uh, tonight. Uh, to decide what they're going to do with their schedule. Uh, it, it kind of felt, and I know you wrote about this recently, it kind of felt like Tom Herman wasn't happy that there was a rush to make a decision on scheduling uh, with over a month left before the actual college football season is set to kick off, or at least for Texas. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I'm not someone who's big on knee-jerk reactions. I like to think through all possible scenarios and options and avenues that um, you even have a chance of taking. And so that's kind of what I felt like Tom Herman was coming from. And um, he wanted to wait until – because it's just a fluid situation. We've, we've talked about that over and over and over. It's either forward or backwards or uh, stuck in the middle somewhere. So um, I agreed with him, uh, waiting it out to see uh, what the current state of affairs are and then make a decision based on that. But um, just due to what's like the SEC and other conferences, are doing I think the Big 12 is kind of forced to go to that 10 game schedule the uh, nine conference and the one non-conference type of layout but uh, yeah I don't think Herman's going to be too happy about it yeah it doesn't sound like it uh well, you know what's interesting is the Sun Belt conference announced today or at least it was coming from Brett McMurphy of Stadium that they are going to play a full 12 game schedule uh, yeah and so that that's that's interesting that they're going to do that, but all the power five are going to this 10, 11 game scheduling. Uh, like you said, Texas is kind of forced because who are they going to play? Right. Uh, so now the question remains is who do they play? Uh, the two non-conference games on their schedule, South Florida Bulls was supposed to be kickoff at DKR at on September the 5th. And then they were supposed to go to Baton Rouge on September 12th. Not going to happen now. And then September 19th, was their scheduled kickoff against UTEP. I think the September 19th is probably a good spot. I think that might be where a season kicks off. I know the Big Ten and other conferences have announced starting football play on September the 26th, but I think the 19th might be where the Big 12 starts. Yeah, I think that too. And I don't even think they'll have to move or alter that game in any way. And it's not really a attractive opponent, UTEP, but um, in terms of them uh, really wanting to limit travel and things like that, obviously uh, they're here in the same state of Texas. So I think that's probably the one non-conference game they'll play. And um, I just hope they can somewhat uh, make it seem fair across the board in terms of everyone's non-conference game. So um, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. That will be interesting you know and like you said it's not like an attractive opponent it's not a sexy game it's not a game that's going to bring you know viewers outside of texas fans utep mm -hmm. fans uh but at least it's not southwest missouri state <laughs> yeah i know well uh, i mean it is utep so right uh, but yeah i have a i just don't like the idea and i i know that the these schools do it because they get paid a, a good amount of money uh, to play right. in those games. But I'm not a huge fan of FBS teams scheduling FCS opponents. Yeah. And I, and I know that. sometimes, and I know, you know, we talked about this in the, I talked about this in the past with Cole Thompson of locked on Aggies where uh, we were talking about Nick Saban and he was like, well, I want to schedule all these, you know, top teams every year, but nobody wants to play us. So they kind of have to go that route sometimes, you know? Uh, which is unfortunate, but 
I, I'm just, like I said, I'm not a big fan of playing FCS teams. Right. Yeah. I, I think the safest bet would probably be UTEP. And I think on that same uh, scheduled date and then they'll kind of move forward from there. But at this point, I'm just excited. We get to have somewhat of a football season. It's just always going to be one of those ones that kind of has that asterisk, you know, afterwards because it was a short season and what if they played LSU and things like that. But you just got to take what they give you, I guess, at this point. Yeah. And I think that the, so the idea of a September 19th game to me, uh, kicking off the season then, uh, you kind of you keep your season intact as it's currently scheduled. Right. You play the the final non-conference game or the only non-conference this season, September 19th, and then the very mm-hmm. next week you go into your uh, conference play. That way yeah. you're not having to push the season back even further into the colder months, later in December, uh, when these kids are already out of school. You know, so they obviously in December, you're going to play the Big 12 championship. Hopefully Texas is there. Um, But I think it's a it's a great way to keep it as is. And they're not having to shift games around. Um, And fortunately enough, I don't think they're going to have to shift venues, especially for Texas OU, because there's no not going to be anybody at the Cotton Bowl uh, or I should say not anybody at the fairgrounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think they can still have that game there at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, me too. I'd be very, very surprised if they weren't to have it there. I mean, and if they do move it, they're just making the travel longer for one of the teams. So um, I think that's probably a fair bet. Uh, Each one of them can probably just hop on a bus and get over there pretty safely. So what I'm more worried about is, I guess, during the season um, with all the testing they're doing with COVID-19 and things like that, we've heard how many NFL players and coaches are coming down with it. So um, I'm curious how that's going to impact like the on on the field production in terms of like, what if one of your key players uh, suddenly tests positive for it one week and they don't have any symptoms and then they can't play. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out. It will be very interesting to watch how that plays out. Speaking of COVID-19, Texas sports, uh, the university of Texas has released their COVID-19 safety guidelines for the upcoming season. Uh, If you want to read about it, we have some of it. Uh, We highlighted a few of the parts there on, uh, longhornswire.usatoday.com. So, Cammie, the big thing is everything is going contactless. Yes, and I think that was actually very smart by them. So contactless, um, cashless, no no concessions, no merchandise, anything like that will be able to be purchased unless it's with a card. Um, The, I guess, entry. So uh, it will be mobile ticketing only, and you have to go in the specific gates that are listed, entry gates that are listed on your ticket. Um, The concessions, like I mentioned, will be available, but they said it'd be a limited menu and there won't be any condiment stands or anything like that. Um, They're putting hand sanitizer kiosks, I think hundreds of them up around the uh, stadium for people to use. And then, um, of course, the biggest one is at all times, staff and fans have to be wearing a face covering that covers your uh, mouth and your nose. Right. Yeah, that's the big thing is is wearing your mask. Um, you know, everybody's been talking about it a lot lately, you know, I guess trying to enforce it even more so lately uh, because people are worried about not having their sports. Uh, right. So make sure that you're wearing your face mask. I, I didn't I don't didn't really see anything of them getting into it as far as if you were not wearing it. But I assume that if you're if you go in and take it off, that you probably will be escorted mm-hmm. out. Uh, but everything's contactless, like you said, you know, even the interesting part was even the tickets now, you know, there will be no paper uh-huh. tickets. And, and of course they had to eliminate the contact, the, uh, I'm sorry, they had to eliminate the condiment stands because they 
because that's just a breeding ground. Oh gosh, yeah, you're uh, touching the, all over that. Exactly, and they can't have somebody just standing there trying to, you know, clean it every five seconds while people are trying to get mustard and relish and all that stuff mm-hmm. for their hot dogs or or for their burger. It, yeah, so there, there's going to be they had to eliminate that, and and that was a smart move, I think. But the good thing is that they're putting this out there, so. It looks like there will be fans in the stands for college football. Uh, even if it's a smaller amount, you can mm-hmm. still get fans into the stands. You can still, because honestly, I'd rather see that than turn on a game and watch these paper cutouts, cardboard cutouts sitting. Oh my gosh, I know. The virtual fans, like they're doing with the, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and, you know, you're hearing more and more. I know. Ohio State was talking about 25% capacity. Texas had talked about it, even though that there was a mandate allowed up to 50%. So uh, I still don't know if they have a set amount of people that can be at the game. Yeah, I think that's something they'll kind of uh, play by ear because it's going to be such a fluid situation in terms of, I guess, the uh, attendance rates, uh, whether that goes up or down. So I think they're kind of uh, playing that one by ear at the moment. I am probably going to guess they're going to start the season with around 25% or so and see how that goes. Tammy, if you say fluid situation one more time. I can't think of another word for that. I mean, it really is a fluid situation. It's It's um, ever-changing. Ever-changing. Okay. Well, I've I've heard you say fluid situation, I I swear, at least three times a day for the last seven months. (laughs) Or I could Uh, say uncertain. That's a good one. Uncertain. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, But coming up next, I'm going to talk a little bit with Ben. We're going to talk about Tariq Black, why he left Michigan, what we can expect. And then, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about this Pac-12 dispute because this thing is could potentially be monstrous. Uh. But I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You heard me talk about it in the intro to the show. Rockauto.com is a great place to get all the of your needs for your automobile. They have the great low prices, every make, every model, whatever you need. You need a tailgate like we talked about Ross needing? You can get your tailgate there. You can do it online. You don't have to go in the store. I don't know about you, Cammy, but I don't like trying to make the noises that my car is making. I don't like talking to the guy at the stand. I don't want to walk into an automotive store and somebody's not wearing their mask. I don't want to put myself at risk. I'm going to go online. You know what? I prefer online shopping anyway. I mean, Cammie, do you do your grocery shopping online? Ooh, actually, recently I have during some of this, but not often. Right. We You do the online ordering. I'm sure you use Amazon a lot. Oh, yeah. Why, why not do it with your automotive stuff, too? You don't have to go in. Everybody loves online shopping. It's great. It's, you know, easy access. Do it right from your computer. You can do it in seconds. But I want you to go to rockauto.com. Check out their selection. And when you make your purchase, tell them that your friends over at Locked on Longhorn sent you. All right. I am joined now by my good buddy. Locked on Big Ten podcast. Ben Stevens uh, also does the Believe in the Big Ten talking podcast, doing uh, doing bets on the Big Ten. So uh, if you're a gambler, definitely check out what he's doing. Uh, I actually went on his podcast on Friday, talked a little bit about what the Big Twelve was doing, and and news actually changed since uh, we aired that podcast. Yeah, I mean, 
for us, Patrick, when we spoke, we were talking about how the Big 12 was being maybe slightly aggressive and moving their games up to week zero, starting some of the fall camp on the earlier side here at the end of July, now that we're into August. And we talked about coming up on Monday how they were going to have their Big 10 or Big 12, rather. See, Big 10's always just stuck in my head. Big 12 virtual media days. And then we signed off around 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And about 15 minutes later, got the update from Bruce Feldman of the athletics saying that they had canceled the virtual media day. So that's how quickly news is swirling and changing in the times we're living in right now. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's changing by the minute. Uh, so as it sits right now, just kind of give you an update. Um, the big 12 athletic directors are actually split on if they're going to go with a 12 game schedule or go with that nine plus one, giving them 10 games, one non-conference game playing the nine round Robin uh, we'll meet the school presidents will meet on Monday and uh, or meet today and, and they'll decide on what they're going to do. So uh, we're, we're kind of waiting in the wind and see what exactly is going to happen there. So that's, that's where it stands. Uh, obviously people are tuning into the podcast are going, why do we have a big 10 guy on? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is big 12 football. Uh, wanted to get some perspective. Uh, as you know, the wide receiver position has changed a lot at Texas. Yep. Uh, Devin Duvernay, Colin Johnson are gone. Uh, Jordan Whittington has made the switch, but he's injured right now. But there's a newcomer on the team that I felt like you would know a little something about, and obviously we're talking about the Michigan transfer, uh, former Wolverine, Tariq Black. You know, I talked a little bit uh, with Isaiah Hull, who does Lockdown Wolverines, uh, also a colleague of mine at the USA Today Sports Media Group. And we talked a little bit about it, but I wanted to get your your thoughts, your opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. What happened at Michigan that that Tariq Black needed to get out? That's very interesting. You know, I don't know the inner workings of the Michigan football program, but he came in as a very highly touted recruit, four-star, the number one recruit in all of Connecticut, a top ESPN 300 four-star recruit that really across whatever recruiting service you were looking at had very high praise. And then he battled with some injury issues, really his freshman and sophomore year on campus was out for a good majority of both of those years. And then last year, though, fully healthy, finally able to record a full season for the Michigan Wolverines, started out, seemed like he was getting targets, was making an impact on the field, was hauling in some catches throughout the first half of their season. And then in the final five to six games, it seems like his production really kind of tailed off and it didn't seem like they were using him or trying to utilize him as much. So it might have been a thing where just because of the injuries that he wasn't able to really crack the depth chart and maybe they found something else that they were going with. And obviously with Josh Gaddis last year coming in as Michigan's new offensive coordinator, they were trying to work some things and figure out exactly what was going to happen for a sputtering Michigan offense. Maybe he just kind of got phased out of the depth chart, didn't think his projections moving forward playing for Michigan were going to be great. And it seems like found a pretty good opportunity in Texas now to come in and hopefully make an immediate impact because he's graduating and he'll come in as a transfer immediately eligible with two more years left. Yeah, and that's the the big positive thing is is having two years. And and the, the one thing about Texas is outside of Brennan Eagles and a little bit of Jake Smith, uh, they don't really have the the playing experience. They don't. None of the guys have starting experience, obviously, because playing behind Colin, playing behind Devin Duvernay, they weren't going to start over those guys. Those guys are both, you know, top ten uh, all time in school history as far as yards and, and catches. And so, you know, they weren't going to get over them uh, without injury. Uh, but you bring up a good point with with two years left, and that helps over the next two seasons. New offensive coordinator. 
uh, with Mike Yurcich. Do you think he's going to fit in with a, a more spread air raid style? Um, obviously, they're going to run the football a good amount. Uh, but knowing Mike Yurcich, I mean, he, he likes to throw it around uh, a bunch too. Yeah, I think he could. I mean, the biggest thing for Tariq Black seems that if he can stay healthy, he had some of those foot issues his first two years, but he's a big body receiver, 6'3", 215, 220, and really can go up and make some plays if he's given the opportunities and those targets. So when you think a spread amount kind of offense, if he can be your guy on the outside, maybe pressuring downfield, having some of those looks, and then maybe even freeing up some space on the inside for some of the slot guys to get open. I think Tariq Black can be beneficial for any offense. It just seemed like we mentioned, Patrick, that at Michigan, it seemed maybe his time had kind of phased out. And that's how it goes. You know, sometimes these kids get to a college, they come out of high school, highly touted, highly recruited. And for whatever reason, it could be a variety of things, injuries, maybe not meshing well with the game plan. You bring in a new coaching staff, whatever it is. Their time just doesn't work out there. So it might not be a bad blood thing. He's just going on to look for greener pastures, hopefully at Texas. Yeah, I think uh, it probably was one of those things. He needed a new scenery, a change of scenery, Yeah, maybe. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and obviously one of the running jokes that it constantly I've heard since Tariq Black made the announcement was he just wanted to get away from Shea Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, in talking with, with uh, Isaiah, he, you know, he kind of mentioned to me that it wasn't really a Shea thing. You know, he felt like uh, maybe the change of scenery would help him, help his attitude, help his outlook, uh, you know, and, and give him a, a fresh start, so to speak, down in Texas. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think there was so much turnover within the Michigan offense and never really lived up to the billing potential. Even Shea Patterson, who was dealing with some injuries, dealing with a shoddy offensive line at times, I mean, never really panned out the way that many people expected under Jim Harbaugh, having Josh Gaddis there now and trying to open it up. It never really panned out to be that way. And there were some stud wide receivers in Michigan as well. And, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who just left for the NFL. So some competition, obviously, at a you know, high Big Ten school who Michigan recruits like no other, really. He's top of the country many, many years. So might have just been a thing where he needed a new perspective, needed a change of scenery that could reinforce what he's doing, maybe reinvigorate his love of the game and get him back to where he could be. Because as I mentioned, the best prospect coming out of the entire state of Connecticut when he came out in 2017. So I think he can come back and hopefully, you know, for him and, you know, we're rooting for him from the big 10, at least I can say that from my perspective, he finds what he's looking for with the Longhorns. Yeah, that, that's definitely the hope. I know he's going to be in the mix playing that Z receiver. Uh, Joshua Moore is a guy who many feel uh, is, is going to be the starter, but I think he's in the mix. And with the amount of wide receivers I know that Mike Yersitz likes to use, uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him to get snaps. Uh, obviously, he's not going to play the X, I don't believe. I mean, I'm, I think he could, uh, but I think Brendan Eagles, uh, provided he plays this season and provided we have college football, will be that X on the outside. You know, but it's going to be an interesting position battle, so to speak. You know, uh, once they get in, they start playing college football and uh, get into practice and we kind of get some idea. And I think Tariq Black uh, is a guy who can really step up in there and, and hopefully provide some, some leadership and some experience on a very young uh, wide receiver group. Yeah, absolutely. And Sam Ellinger's got to be happy to have a new target in there. Like I mentioned, big body so he can go up and help out wherever he can. He seems like he really can get a grasp of that offense. And like you mentioned, the two years is really crucial. And he's immediately eligible because he's already going to graduate from Michigan. He'll come to Texas and have the ability to focus on football and learn this new scheme. And I think, you know, he can go in there and be successful. You hope that 
whatever it was at Michigan that led him to feel like he couldn't really hit his stride in the way he wanted to. He finds that at Texas and he is able to be the successful, highly touted receiver people expected him to be coming out of high school. So that's what Tariq Black's hoping for in the Longhorns. And I know Texas fans are hoping for the same out of Tariq Black. Uh, just real quick, what do you think about a wide receiver wearing number zero? Ooh, interesting. I kind of like the number zero. I never used to be a big zero guy when I always thought of zero. I thought of the double zeros of like Greg Ostertag from the Utah Jazz. That's what I now always I kind of think – what? I said that's what I thought of. Yeah, that's what I – that's always what comes to my mind when I think double zero or just zero in general. Now I kind of think zero has a certain kind of swag to it. I don't know what it is, if it's a clean look or if it's just like you think you're the guy. And listen, I'm a believer of the Deion Sanders mentality of look good, feel good, play good. And if you play good, the pay going to be good. So – Listen, I think that could be – if somebody wants to go with zero, I think you got to live up to the number, though. I think it does come with a certain set of circumstances. they got to make sure your play backs up your, uh, your, your number on the back of your jersey. All right, well, let's talk about pay good since you brought yeah. it up. Uh, so – I know you're probably like me this weekend. We're sitting around, you know, searching social media, checking out, see what's going on. You know, if there's any news as far as maybe somebody was breaking some news on potential Big 12 schedule. Right. And then I come across the Players' Tribune posting the Pac-12 players came together with a We Are United hashtag. Uh, they have had a list of demands. Uh, what was your initial thought uh, when, when you read that? Because the first thing I heard was that they wanted to spread the revenue amongst the players, and I was like, oh, we're, we're going there? Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting press release. It's an interesting document. It's an interesting article that they put together on the Players' Tribune. Listen, I think a lot of what they're saying is this group coming together to try to have some semblance of unity among a specific conference. That's why they're coming from a Pac-12 perspective. They're hoping that what they're doing might have an impact on the rest of college football. It's an interesting argument. You know, it's the kind of same argument at the end of the day, at least when you look at the payment aspect of what they're saying. And a lot of this has to do with the times that we're living in right now and the uncertainty that comes from asking amateur athletes to play and risk their health and safety in a global pandemic when they don't see that return in revenue. They are not paid for their services. So that's really the kind of landscape that we're dealing with and the reason that this document is put out because they are concerned about their futures. They are concerned about what will be happening in the present with right now what seems little knowledge about health and safety protocols for if they are going to play this season. And they want the ability to have some freedom and to opt out. So my biggest thing is whenever you talk about the pay-to-play argument, is not so much how it breaks down in the economics, not so much the idea of, oh, they're given a free scholarship to go to school and they get all this swag and all these opportunities that other students do not, is the idea that in a free market system, in a capitalistic system that we live in with America, you are allowed to profit off of what you can do. And for these players right now, many of whom come from not the greatest economic backgrounds, these three, four, five years at the collegiate level when they are superstars within their community and on their campus, these are the most profitable times of their lives. So for them to have that ability in a free market is really what they're asking for. Some of the claims within this We Are United Pac-12 statement and some of the demands they're asking for do seem a little bit out there and maybe not realistic that it will actually get done. But I think it's important to note as well 
this is maybe the first stage in negotiations because the Pac-12 office has said, we have not been directly contacted by this players group. And so we look forward to having those conversations. They might have gone very high and hoping they can find some middle ground. But again, the basis of this entire kind of movement they're starting right now comes from the ability of being asked to play college sports during a pandemic with so much uncertainty about health and safety protocols. And they're just looking for a little bit of transparency at this time, it seems. That's the root of the document. And then obviously it takes on a couple additional layers as well. Right. Obviously, they're asking for significant pay cuts amongst Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, administrative coaches. Uh, that's just one aspect that they're asking for. Obviously, they're asking for a split of the revenue, 50% of the revenue to go evenly amongst the players, which, you know, uh, and, and it's not just football. You know, they're, they're talking about fall sports in general. And, right. And so, you know, that was interesting to me uh, because once you start to get that pay, um, if the Power Five conferences are still part of the NCAA, they're going to be immediately ruled ineligible. Right. So what there has to be is either a NCAA has got to change their ruling Mm -hmm. or there's going to be a separation of power. Now, as we know in NCAA football, uh, especially division one FBS, FBS is ruled by the conferences and not the NCAA. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I just want people to understand that Mark Gammert, the president of NCAA is basically a figurehead when it comes to college football. Now they can rule you ineligible, um, for academics, for for whatever, uh, if, you, if you pay attention to the laws. Uh, but when it comes to actual college football, that's all run through the conferences. But it's interesting, and I wanted to get your thought on this. Uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated uh, recently put out an article where he was discussing like a crack in the armor of talking about the NCAA, Board of Governors, were meeting and they're – looking at canceling fall championships. Right. And so the idea here is that the five power conferences were going to come together and have their own fall championship. And Mm -hmm. I think that's just the first step in just completely either demolishing uh, the, or absolving, dissolving, whatever you want to say, the NCAA and going with this power five conference championship. Um, You know, that I thought that was interesting and it kind of, these two things going on at the same time kind of tie into each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we are recording this for this Monday episode, coming up on Tuesday, August 4th, is that big next meeting for the NCAA Board of Governors to discuss if they are going to keep or cancel their fall sports championships. Will it happen? Will they pass the buck another time? Who knows? But it's been widely reported that Power Five commissioners, athletic directors from across colleges on, in this country have looked to the NCAA for some sort of guidance. And right now, the NCAA really hasn't given them much. So I think you're right in your assessment there, Patrick, that this really stems from that. That in terms of when we're talking about collegiate football at the highest level, Division One FBS football, they kind of run their own ship. They do their own things. And even if in that meeting coming up on Tuesday, the NCAA Board of Governors cancels fall sports championships, the Power Five can still go on with their postseason play because the bowls and who decides the committee to play in those and in the CFP, the College Football Playoff National Committee, they also decide their own fate. They are not under the jurisdiction of the NCAA. Obviously, a decision to cancel fall sports championships would kind of lead people to think, okay, this might be what we need to do to get rid of fall sports coming up for this fall. However, I think it stems from the ability that during these times of 
wide uncertainty across all of college football, collegiate athletics coming up for the fall of 2020. The NCAA has not been great about taking a leadership perspective, being that beacon that lets the rest of collegiate athletics know what to do. You look back in March when this was starting with COVID-19 and the NCAA pretty much canceled the NCAA tournament within a 48-hour span of when this first affected conference tournaments throughout the country. They were quick and swift in their judgment there for all these months that have gone on since now the middle of March. They really haven't said a whole lot to lead the way. So I do think this We Are United campaign and the ability of a singular conference kind of taking power into their own hands and the players especially trying to have some of those more seats at the table to have these discussions, I think that does stem from a lack of leadership and a lack of guidance that the NCAA has not really provided during these months that we've been dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, I think that you're dead on there. I, you know, I, I think we're both in agreement on on where these issues come from. And, and this isn't something new. The right. Dissolving the NCAA is something that gets brought up from time to time uh, because there's a frustration level. They come to an agreement, and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. And then something else pops up. And I think with some of the protesting that's been going on with you know various schools, these players are learning that they have power. For sure. Um, and, and so, and there's so many opportunities out there. Let's, you know, for instance, a player doesn't uh, speaks up about something and he gets dismissed from the program. He can go to another school mm-hmm. and he can play immediately or not, maybe not immediately, uh, you know, sit out the year for transfer and, and then he'll get to play, you know, and, and they're learning that if they stand together, it's, it's almost like, well, they can't dismiss us all because then they don't have a football program. They don't have, a collegiate program and then they're not making money and obviously when it comes to schools well that's what they're about it's right. the money and yeah. so there's a lot there but going back to the the issue of you know the pay for play i think that this started with one thing the ncaa dragging their feet on the name image and likeness bill mm-hmm. and and so this has been introduced in a way that players couldn't make money off of their name, image, and likeness. I mean, how many times have we heard about, you know, players at Ohio State and Georgia? Uh, I believe Todd Gurley got in trouble for selling jerseys or right. his signature, um, you know, and so he got in trouble for that. Well, this would allow players to be able to cash in. And the fact that they don't have this in play is, I think, a large part of why the Pac-12 players who come together. And if you read The Athletic, you can read how this whole thing started. It started with one Cal player talked to his teammates. They start Zoom calls with buddies at different universities. Next thing you know, they have this coalition that's ready to stand up for what they believe in. Yeah, you're completely right there. I mean, this coalition now, they have apparently a GroupMe you know, message service that has over 400 players throughout the Pac-12 conference is what they're saying. And that's, you know, you know strength in numbers to the absolute T. You mentioned that if somebody were to speak up in the past – and say something that a university or specific program did not agree with, they could be let go, their scholarship could go, their time could just be done, and they would look to transfer. In a certain way, that's exactly what these players are now kind of pushing back against, that they don't have any power in their ability, and without their athletic ability, there's really no profit to be had for these athletic programs. And you mentioned the name likeness and all that coming from benefiting off their rights. That's what I kind of mentioned before, is that, So many college football players, collegiate athletes, whatever it may be, will not make it to the big 
leagues, you know, will not make it to the NFL and they will not be able to generate revenue off their likeness during those times. About 98% of them is what that Pac-12 We Are United article says. So for them to use this during this time to try to benefit off their likeness, they're not asking for a whole lot. They're not asking to receive a great paycheck. But if you're the star quarterback or you're the star player in the country, like Todd Gurley, like you mentioned, or you you go back to the days of the Ohio State and that original scandal with Terrell Pryor and whatever that may have been, you deserve, in my opinion, the ability to get some money from your athletic ability on the field. So that's really what it comes down to. Every other general student could go while they are on campus and they can work and they can profit off things that they do. Student athletes are not given that same privilege. So if you're going to call it amateurism and treat students across the board and put student athlete first, you would think you would want to keep that pretty much the same, even if you do play for the biggest college football program in the country. So I think you're right with the NCAA dragging their feet on this. There's still being so much uncertainty about what this season will be and about when that name likeness bill gets passed. This is why they're coming together to try to use their voices in a time where pretty much a a large segment of this country has said the status quo and what has been happening for years and years isn't working. And here's why we're going to show you it's not and try to present a better future for us. And in this specific case for collegiate athletes. I mean, do you think a guy like Sam Ellinger couldn't make a lot of money at the University of Texas off his name, off his brand? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I agree. I mean, uh, if this would have been around when Kevin Durant was playing basketball, oh, he would have made a lot of money. You know, (laughs) and so, um, you know, it's – I think it's a great opportunity, and it kind of eliminates the whispers that you hear around college football, and I know you agree with this. We've always heard, oh, well, you know they pay their players at this school. Right. You know, well, then it won't be a problem because they're making money off their name and image and likeness. And, right. You know, maybe that changes recruiting a little bit because of branding. Uh, like a University of Texas, you know, you talk about the, the prestigious schools around Ohio State's, the Michigan's, the Alabama's. You mm-hmm. know, maybe it helps them even more. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, Ben, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Make sure you follow Ben. Tell them where they can find you on Twitter and obviously check out Locked On Big Ten Podcast. Yeah, on Twitter, it's at Ben Scott Stevens. Scott spelled S-C-O-T-T, two T's in there. Sometimes people spell Scott with just one, but regardless. And yeah, hosting the Locked On Big Ten show, pretty much just trying to provide some perspective. That's why Patrick was on my show on Friday to talk about what these other Power Five conferences are doing in terms of their schedule release, what it may look like. So trying to provide some of that national perspective as we still try to remain hopeful and optimistic that we will have some semblance of a college football season this year because both Patrick and I having these discussions right now, we want it and we need it very, very badly. So we're still hoping to have college football played in a healthy and safe way. So that's really what we're doing on the Locked On Big Ten show, trying to entertain and trying to have some fun as we hopefully get ready for a college football season here in just a few short weeks, which is crazy to say. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate it. Y'all go check out his show. Uh, definitely check out Friday's show. We talked a little bit of Texas Longhorns and a little bit about the Big 12, obviously. And we'll hopefully find out more today on how that schedule moves. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. I want to give a special thanks to Ben Stevens, the Lockdown Big Ten podcast for hopping on. Go check out his fine work. Fantastic. He does a great job. He's talking to all the different hosts from different conferences, kind of get an idea of what's going on with college football. But for Cammie, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on. Hook em.